You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland at 91.1 FM, K296FT West Haven serving Portland at 107.1 FM, and K219KU Nehalem serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. We got Jim Fisher running the boards, doing a fine job, as always. Blazers Edge Radio, Ryan Buchanan, Sam Arnold, and Sam, first things first, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, feels like we're fully into fall now after kind of a, a weird stretch where it felt like spring again for a minute. We're, yeah. we're, we're into typical Oregon fall now. And yep. I, I love it, man. Nice I love and it. rainy. You like it? I love it. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> I like a little bit better how the Blazers are playing, though. Yeah, looked, how about you know, that? They had a, a pretty... Tough start to the year. We talked about tough schedule out of the gate. They they get off the schneid up uh, up north in Toronto and really built up some momentum from there outside of the fourth quarter um, on Sunday night. They had a really good stretch, Sam, since yeah. our last show. Uh, you know, you beat up on the Pistons. You don't beat up on the Pistons. You beat the Pistons, and then you really should have won bat two in a row over over Memphis and that would have put them at 0 and 7 Ooh. on the year as it stands they are 1 and 6 but you you blow that um double digit fourth quarter lead on Sunday in the second game of the back to back after a gritty uh overtime victory on Friday night against Memphis and now though the big story is that uh Robert Williams in a shocking development, uh, hurt his knee yes. and is going to miss some significant time. Who could have possibly yeah, who seen, seen this coming? could have seen that coming? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, how many times did we clarify when they got him, like, this is a great pickup, but he's hurt a lot? Yeah. You know, that's kind of the caveat, and that's. You could see this coming from a mile away. Oh, right? yeah. 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 It had to happen at some point. Yeah. I didn't think it would happen quite this early. No. I mean, at least we made it into November, I guess. Do we know? Um, do we know the timeline? I know it requires I've heard, surgery. I've heard significant. Okay, I think there's a real good chance we don't see him again this year. Oof. But well, it's good while it lasted. Yeah, it was good while it lasted. He plays well. He's the best <laughs> backup center in the league for yeah. a couple weeks, yeah. and then he got hurt. But yeah, um, yeah ho- I mean, hopefully he's able to get back sooner. But obviously, if you're Portland, you aren't really in any kind of position to be 
rushing him back. Yeah. Um, but my big question for you, Sam, obviously DeAndre Ayton has been really solid mm-hmm. um, at the starting center. Now, you do have extra bodies, right, in terms of a, a, a someone to slide into the backup center. Uh, we know that Ibu Baji and John Butler are now gone, so they will not be in the mix. Uh, you have Moses Brown, yep. who is under a guaranteed contract. That would be presumably the guy who would slide in. You've also got Duop Reef under that two-way contract. Um, and then you'll likely see probably at times go smaller as well. Jabari Walker getting more minutes. Maybe this is where Chris Murray finds a way to get in uh, get in the lineup, get a few minutes there, go a little bit smaller. Uh, wh- what are you looking for in terms of a re- replacement um, for Rob? Yeah, I, I think logic says that it's going to be Moses Brown. Um, that's not necessarily who I want. Uh, I mean, Moses Brown is is a, a big body, and that's, big that's about all he is. Seven two um, two. He's listed about 250, but that's not Yeah, I don't accurate. know about that. Um, yeah, I mean, decent rim protector. Uh, his court awareness is not great. Um, if you if you've spend any time watching him, he kind of just looks frazzled and lost out there, but... He has a big body, so if you need somebody mm-hmm. to stop somebody driving to the rim, he's a good person to shove in front of them. Um, yeah, I you would, might as well give him a give him some run, right? See and if, I think you have yeah. to. I and, think you have to. And yep. at this point, you got to figure he's probably on his last chance in terms of if yep. he's going to stick around in the NBA. This is kind of you know he's uh, you mentioned last week he's had a number of different stops now. He's yeah. shown some some promise at times, but he's never been very consistent he's bounced around a lot this is probably if he does get a look here probably his last chance to show that he is an actual nba player you know i'm curious to know actually has moses brown ever been on a team for more than a year oh i would highly doubt yeah that. i don't I'll, think i'll so. look it up but I, I think maybe the blazers are, are his longest tenure because he was here for a whole season staggered yeah yeah but and i feel like he's he played like four games that yeah year. right yeah, he played i mean let me look it up here uh well to that effect real quick while you're looking yeah, that yeah, yeah. up um yeah, do up wreath. I I would love to see some more of him. I mean, he's a guy that looked really solid. Uh, again, a little undersized, but same size as Robert Williams. So it's not like you can't plug him in in the modern NBA effectively. So I hope they 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 bring him into the active roster and maybe you know it's more of a situational game plan than it is just oh Moses Brown's the guaranteed guy, so he's going to get all the minutes. Yeah. Well, we will see, and I've got uh, Moses Brown's illustrious NBA right. history for you, Sam. He kicked things off in, uh, after one year at UCLA, undrafted, signed as a two-way contract with Portland, played nine whole games in that 19-20 to 20 season, averaging a whopping 3.7 minutes a game. He, uh, he had a bit of a career uptick the following year, played 43 games for a tanking Oklahoma City Thunder team, uh, started 32 of those games, played 21 minutes, uh, averages of about nine and nine, nine points, nine boards. So he got some, got some run, got a block there, and then you thought, okay, maybe, maybe he can stick a little bit, right? Well, then he goes twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, uh, split the year between Dallas and Cleveland, didn't mm-hmm. do a whole hell of a lot last year. Um, Thirty four games under nine minutes a game for the Clippers, um, and then uh, two games towards the end of the year with Brooklyn as well. And now he's back here in Portland, so. It's been a couple years since he really showed some promise. I I, I remember that stretch with OKC where he yeah. was putting up like a, a stretch where he was putting up like double digit rebounds. It was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. did you? Because when he was here in those nine games, we didn't see anything. No, he was awful. Yeah, right. And then he he got some time at OKC, but 
you know, hasn't been able to build up on that. So we'll see. Maybe now he gets some more run. Again, hasn't played any kind of significant minutes in, in a few years now, and he, he hasn't played anywhere. In fact, uh, the first two years are the only years he was with the same team the whole year. Right, right. Uh, Portland and then OKC, and then he bounced around the last couple of years at multiple stops back here in Portland. Um, and now with the injury to Rob Williams, who was going to be out a significant period of time, and you're talking months. I mean, you're talking if he comes back, it's post-All-Star break at the earliest. And I'm looking at Rob's contract here. He's on the books for two more years, 26 years old. I'm not rushing him back. No. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a situation if he's feeling good and in April, those last couple weeks, get him back out there just so he doesn't have so much of a time off. But sure. I, I think you can probably count this as the last year for Robert Williams. Yeah. Bummer. And it's the last year for the Blazers as well, as we've talked about, outside of the um, outside of the development standpoint. In terms of a wins and losses, you're not really worried about that, so even less incentive to try to bring a guy like Rob Williams back. And, again, maybe give uh, give some other guys a chance, give Moses Brown a chance, see if he can recapture a little bit of that magic that he found in OKC. And if he's, you know, unplayable, you've got to do operate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or you just take your losses. <laughs> right. The the tough thing is, you know, Aiton's already playing a, a full complement of starters minutes. He's oh. averaging like 30 minutes a game, but that's that's very uh, deceptive because he had one game where he played 20 minutes or 21 minutes. Mm. Everything else, I mean, he's been playing yeah. upwards of 35 minutes lately. He's looked, so. he's looked great. He's looked really good. This, a, this last Memphis game, game yep, was, the last yeah. Memphis game, but other than that, he has looked, he's been consistent, and that's yeah. something you've been desperately needing out of your center spot and it's such a breath breath of fresh air coming from the use of Nurkic era to have a guy who you can count on on a consistent basis definitely definitely yeah it's it's been a revelation and it's it's good for him too you can tell that he's enjoying being on the team especially when he gets involved in the offense um which you know it's it's kind of hit and miss there's clearly not a lot of designed DeAndre Ayton plays uh but he is very effective, and he's energetic, and he gets those second chance points, and that's really what we've been yep. missing. And a guy who can actually finish around really the rim. good rebounder. <laughs> yep, that's that's always a, big. That's something. It's been a while since we've that had that. Was the bit, one of the big <laughs> knocks on Nurk was that yeah he yeah. was about a thirty percent shooter. It sound, yeah. it felt like at times a, an inch from the rim. Uh, real quick, Sam, before we get too sidetracked, it, this just makes me think here because you you mentioned Aiton, Tuvani. Kamara continues to get more and more minutes. Yeah. Phoenix is struggling out of the gates yeah. with the old Blazer center rotation of Nurk and Nurk and Drew Eubanks yeah. and Bradley Beal hasn't played yet and Devin Booker's dealt with injuries. I think there is a real potential that this trade comes back to absolutely haunt the Phoenix Suns. Oh, I think it already has. It already yeah. has, but and that's just scratching the surface with Tumani Kamara. If he turns up to be like you, you can clearly see True. that he's got so much potential. If he really lives up to that hype and continues to get better and better and is a legitimate starter, you know, wow, you're going to look back at that trade because it was just a salary dump. That's yeah. all they were doing. Yeah. And they threw Kamara in there. Also, the fact that watching Kamara, how, how did this guy go 52nd oh, overall? Yeah, it's crazy. He I, looks so good. I, it's just, I, and that's my major problem with the draft now is that teams are just using their first round picks on just an absolute flyer mm-hmm. on on one and done guys or G League guys that half of which will never do anything significant to the NBA and then yep. there's all these established college players that either go undrafted or go in the second round that end up having much better careers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny how the whole draft process is kind of just a 
swing for the fences yeah. until you, there's nobody left to swing for the fences right. for. Yeah. And, and then like, you play it safe in the second round. But. Yeah. And look, a lot of those guys turn out really good. I mean, Draymond Green, one of one of the best examples of that of a guy who, oh yeah, kind of like didn't Malcolm really. Malcolm Brogdon have, was Malcolm a Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, you have all these guys who don't look flashy on paper, but they just do everything. They do everything you need out of a professional basketball player, and Kamara definitely looks like that. And yeah, it is it is a little it's a little sweet to see what Phoenix has gotten themselves into. Yep. It's it's really refreshing, and it, you know what makes it really the most refreshing is that it tells you and me and Blazers fans everywhere we were right about Nurkic. <laughs> yeah, we were right. This this guy is who we thought he was, and now Phoenix is learning that the hard way. Yeah, well, you got to figure they knew that. I mean, there's enough tape out there that, that shouldn't have been a surprise. I mean, apparently, they wanted him again, and and they wanted to get rid of Aiton, and yeah. they needed to they move on from Aiton's contract, and so they were willing to not only take on Nurk, but apparently give out to Money Kamara, which seems like they really found a diamond in the rough there, and then to give him up for yeah. in that deal for for Bradley Beal. Now we haven't seen the the big three together yet, yeah, so we we'll, we can res- I, we'll have to reserve full judgment until then. But it clearly has not gotten off to a good start. No, and with the team, and we this is what we talked about coming into the year with a super team like that, you cannot afford injuries. Yep, that's the one thing you cannot afford, right? right. Because they don't have the depth, and that's exactly what you're seeing out of the gate. Is it's been the Kevin Durant show, and Kevin Durant can't do it by himself. Yeah. He's trying, but he's trying. <laughs> you need you need a little help. Need a little help. Yeah, one guy can't do it all, and that guy should not be Eric Gordon. <laughs> it's not Eric Gordon. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and that's what he's trying to be. But I, I'm just gonna look back. I, I pulled up a random draft from a couple years ago. I wanted to go enough times to where you know we've got a more of a sense of these guys. Yeah. But okay, 2020 NBA draft. Now this one might be a bad example because I'm looking at. There's a lot of good guys in the top ten, but there's some real clunkers as well. Anthony Edwards, number one. James Wiseman, number two Ooh, that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he can't even he can't even find the court in Detroit. Yeah. And uh, Golden State couldn't wait to get rid of him. LaBello Ball was number three. Patrick Williams is all right, you know, number four. Isaac mm. Coro, number five. Mm. That one is not. Mm. You know, Cleveland still likes him, apparently, but yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nyekong Kongwu is playing well in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um Killian Hayes, I don't feel like is very good, but he, no. they're still high on him. They're still starting him. Obi Toppin's been hit or miss. Denny Abdia has, has been pretty bad. Jalen Smith can't find the floor. Devin Vassell was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you look at a lot of these guys, and it's just like, especially when you get later into the first round, it's just complete. I mean, I'm looking here. RJ Hampton. Uh, you. Now Yudoka Azubuki was a was a college guy, was an experienced college guy, so he doesn't count. Uh, Tyrell Terry, anyone, a freshman out of Stanford. I mean, a lot of these guys just don't pan out at all. And and then you see a guy like a, a well Desmond Bain, even where he was a a second round pick. You know, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, what we're seeing with Tumani Kamar, what we've seen with Jabari Walker, who was the second to last pick in the draft, and y- you really wonder when the pendulum is going to swing back and teams are going to stop you know losing their mind over a a guy who's got all kinds of promise but hasn't really shown anything yet yeah right yeah and to highlight the opposite side of the second round the Blazers second round pick that year was CJ Ellaby sorry to bring that up didn't work out (laughs) yeah Didn't work out. Yeah, so uh, sometimes they don't swing work out. Swinging them at yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, they don't always work out. That one clearly did not. Um, now let's 
move on, Sam, to the actual games. First, yeah. I want to get Detroit, but first I want to remind everybody, X-Ray text line is open if you want to get your thoughts in, 971-220-5979. That is 971-220-5979 on the X-Ray text line. But let's talk about this game against Detroit because coming in, you would not want a, a game yet against a team for the United States and this is the, an American team that's about to as close to Canada as you can get in Detroit. And it worked out because yeah. Blazers able to get the victory. And it was a come-from-behind victory. Yep. Pistons were up double digits at the half. And this was, of course, the game that Scoot Henderson got hurt. We have not seen him since. But I made sure to mark this down, Sam, because right before this game, you had lamented the fact that we had not seen the Scoot DeAndre Ayton two-man game. Yeah. And we saw it in this game. And it was it was lethal. It's lethal. And now, of course, we haven't been able to see it since because Scoot right. got hurt. But you saw some promise there that, oh, boy, you know, there could be something there. Yep. And you, you saw it was nice to finally see it after a, a rough start to the year. Um, and then, you know, Scoot goes down, and it was Shaden Sharp who was just absolutely taking the league by storm. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I mean, he is no. really putting this team on his back right now with the injuries. Obviously, Ant, who you lost uh, first game of the year. Scoot's been out since, I, I think, that what was this, the fourth game of the year. Now Rob Williams out of the lineup, so you're you know you're running out of bodies here, and and Shaden Sharp has really really put this team on his back. You got to give Jeremy Grant some credit as well. He's certainly upped his productivity. Malcolm Brogdon as well, but Shaden's the guy that stands up for me because he Sam is really taking over. Like okay, this is my team, yeah. right? This is I'm the guy. And this is what that's what you saw in this game against Detroit is he leads the comeback. A strong game from Jeremy Grant as well. Uh, final numbers in this one: Shaden Sharp, forty-two big minutes. This he's logging big minutes because you're down guards. You need you need somebody who can fill in some minutes, and he's doing it. Nine of sixteen from the field, three of six from three-point land, eight of ten from the free throw line. Sam, twenty-nine points in this game, seven rebounds, five assists, a steal, two blocks, just two turnovers, just one foul, just doing it all, doing I mean, everything. Just, yeah, just doing it all, and just putting on a show. Uh, Jeremy Grant, nice compliment with 24 points for him. Uh, one rebound, which is par for the course yeah. there. Did have four turnovers, but 7 of 16 from the field, taking more shots and stepping up to his credit. You know, he was kind of the the missing man in those early games. Like, where the hell is Jeremy Grant? Yep. And you see guys go go down, and, and Jeremy has stepped up to his credit. Yes, he, he definitely has. And it's it's nice to see him kind of filling the role that he needs to be and not not forcing anything too much, at least yeah. these last few games. I feel like the offense is kind of coming into an identity these last few games. It um, is, which although is, with the weird part is it's without your franchise Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're, But I guess that would make sense, right? Because with the yep. learning curve, you slide the veteran Brogdon in there and it's going to look smoother. Yeah, and what sucks about this is, yeah, the team is doing better for sure. And yeah. I think everybody who has been watching these Blazers games could have predicted that to happen because frankly Scoot's been pretty bad to start the year um, and so you take him out and put in a yeah. very established great point guard like Malcolm Brogdon yeah. your team's going to do better yeah. now the problem is you're 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 doing better at the sacrifice of being able to develop Scoot Henderson right. which is is your long-term goal here so um, definitely not ideal but yeah it's it's nice to see this team kind of getting into a flow on offense. And you know what I really love is is the defense has gotten a lot better. Defense has been great. Yeah. Defense and you I mean looking at the roster you knew the defense was going to be good. Yeah. Right? Just the guy, you know, yeah. you're talking about Aiton. 
Tybal. Shaden's a solid defender. Yeah. Right? Jeremy's not a bad defender. Nope. Kamara's a really solid defender. Yep. Uh, you know, Rob, he's hurt, but Brogdon. I mean, you've got some good defenders on this team. The question has always been offense. Yeah. And that's where it was. It's where it's been huge that Shaden has stepped up. Yeah. it's It's been absolutely huge. And this is kind of what I feel like you and I were really hoping for to start the season, except with a healthy roster of Shaden kind of being yeah. the guy. Um, well, I think as turn, soon as you saw Ant go down, it yeah, was like there's a chance. significant void there because this was primed to be Ant's team. Yep. Right? Yep. Maybe not for the future, but for right now, this is Ant's team. Yeah. When he goes down, that's all out the window, and it was kind of panic mode. And who rises to the top? It's Shaden Sharp. Yeah. He's, he's filling the void very, very effectively. He looks great out there. He's being aggressive. His shot looks good. Uh, and again, like you mentioned, the defense is is continually yeah. improving. And that's, I yeah. mean, this this guy can be a legitimate two way player. I mean, he's developing that way. And Scoot's the same way. Yeah. And that's what's got to make you feel good going forward is because you know the hallmark of the Dame and CJ era was really good offensive players, not good defenders. Mm-hmm. Ask Milwaukee about that. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a whole lot of grumblings up mm-hmm. north about Dame's defense. Yeah. Um, uh, in Milwaukee right now, and that's not a, an issue that I foresee happening with a backcourt of Scoot and uh, Shaden Sharp. Yeah. Now, sure. the other thing I will say is that I think this time away can benefit Scoot, give him a chance, catch his breath a little bit, right? And maybe, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's got these guys more in a groove. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is feeling a little more confident. You slide Scoot back in, the other guys around him are feeling confident. Maybe that'll wear off and, you know, it'll it'll kind of help ease him into it. So I don't think this is a bad thing. It doesn't sound like it's a significant injury. He rolled his ankle. They're obviously being pretty cautious, but, yeah. you know, I would expect him back within the next week or so. Yeah. Uh, but I think this could be a good thing going forward because now you've got guys a chance to get their confidence up. But Jeremy's scoring again. Shaden's playing really well. Other guys are feeling good, and now Scoot can come in and kind of try to get on their level. Yeah, and I I hope that Scoot realizes that this is an opportunity for himself to fit into something that's already rolling, and he doesn't have exactly. to force anything. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Because that's that's gonna be the key. Because you could sense that a little bit. Yeah. It makes sense that he's kind of trying to force the issue. Yep. Things were going really bad at the start of the year. The offense looked terrible. He's trying to do it himself. Now he's he's like, okay, we've got we've got some weapons here. I just got to get them the ball and you know b- play my way and attack the rim. And so yeah, I think this could end up being a good thing. Um, let's talk about Detroit, Sam, because obviously they're not a very good team yet. Mm-hmm. But and it's worth noting they were without their starting center, Jalen Duran, in this game, who's had a phenomenal year so mm-hmm. far. I am looking at this team, and if I'm in the Eastern Conference, not this year, but a couple years from now, maybe even next year, this team scares the hell out of me. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Especially the way Asar Asar Thompson, Thompson looks been really playing. good. Maybe Dark Horse Rookie of the Year. I, I mean, gonna, we see some I injuries mean, happen. I think Victor Wembignana would have to die, and even then he would post posthumously be, <laughs> he be the Rookie would, of the Year. So I don't see a scenario in which Vic- Victor Wembignana does not win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. But Asar Thompson looks fantastic. He looks really good. Do you good. want to talk about a two-way guy as oh well? Oh, my gosh. And yeah. this is what we were told, but the whole thing with the Thompson twins, and uh, unfortunately for a man, he rolled his ankle, so he's he hasn't really been able to find his footing um, no pun intended in in, <laughs> in Houston. Yeah. Um. But a star, which okay, you know these guys are great defenders, right? But you're seeing the highlights against uh, in the not even G League Ignite. You're seeing them against overtime elite. So it's yeah. like, well, anybody can look great there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
I, there was a lot. It's certainly on my part, there was a lot of skepticism of, oh, okay, let's see what what it looks like against NBA competition. And for a Sar Thompson, at least he belongs. He can score, and he's a hard nosed defender. Yeah, I I mean, I always kind of thought of him as like one of those like players who you can kind of fit in into any situation, but isn't going to give you really good stats. And he's very much not that. He's the no. kind of player that can fit into any situation and give you really good stats. Score, I mean, good, solid rebounder. Yeah, his offense is looking good. Uh, his rebounding, rim. yeah, his very rebounding at the rebounder. small forward position yep. has been fantastic. Yep. I mean, outside of Jalen Duran, he's got to be the best rebounder on this team. Well, he led the league in rebounding in this game with Jalen Duran out. Yeah, so. it's. I mean, he he looks great. Detroit got a really really and excellent player. And him. and yeah, and I'm gonna eat a little bit of crow on this. Um, Jarris Walker hasn't got much time yet. Yeah. in Indy, but that was a guy I thought. That was a no-brainer. You take Jarris Walker right there. I wasn't sold on either of the Thompson mm-hmm. twins, but in the early going, Sam, it certainly looks like they made the right pick. Yeah, and if you take some time to develop his outside shot and he gets that as part of a game, this could be a very, very good NBA player. By the way, he is second on the team in rebounding. Nine games, he's averaging nine rebounds. Yeah, at the small forward position. At the That's small fantastic. forward position. Uh, Beef Stew at your power forward is at eight rebounds a game. Yeah. Marvin Bagley, backup center, who's made a couple starts, mm-hmm. is at five. And then Duran, obviously, at 11 and a half. Yeah. But he is legitimately a really good rebounder at the small forward position. And you got to look, Cade Cunningham has come back with a vengeance. I feel like he was forgotten about a little bit mm-hmm. almost because he missed almost all of last year, you know, and. He's run people. He There's a reason he was the number one pick in the draft a couple yeah. years ago because he is really freaking good. Yeah, he's very, very good. And he is. He looks like he, he do, he's not playing like he missed almost a whole year. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. He is not skipping a beat. Um, you've got Jalen Ivey coming off your big uh, – Jaden Ivey, excuse me, coming off your bench. Marcus Sasser, a rookie. Yeah, he looks, looks good. Looks really good. Um, you, you get a guy like Joe Harris in there. Uh, with all these slashers, he's going to get a lot of open threes. This team has got a whole lot of potential, and going forward, this is going to be a team to watch out in the Eastern Conference. Definitely, I I would not be surprised at all to see them be a play-in team this year. Ooh, okay. Because there's so much talent there, it's just a matter of bringing it together, and I think they've got a great coach to do it in Monty Williams, and they've just got to they've got to stay healthy, and they've got to. They've got to build that chemistry up, but there's so much talent there. Yeah, and I would, I would be terrified of playing them in the first round, to be honest with you, because I feel like if they can catch fire with the talent they've got, they can be scary. Yeah, I I think what I need to see from Detroit before I can go that far with, because there is kind of a logjam at the bottom of the East right now, and there's a lot of teams that are underperforming there. There's a lot of teams that are kind of overperforming there. Um, Detroit currently sitting at second to the bottom, um, which is kind of deceptive to your point. Um, But what I need to see from Detroit is another offensive weapon that can help them close out games. Because really right now it's kind of just Cade Cunningham. And, you know, uh, the the two-man game with Duran and Cunningham looks really nice. I like that a lot. Uh, We've been talking a lot about Asar Thompson. His slashing ability is really good, but Mm -hmm. he's not a guy I really trust to offensively close out a game. So it's essentially you're going down to Cade Cunningham, and 
essentially kind of putting him in that Shea Gilgis Alexander role from a couple years ago on the yep. Thunder. Yep. And he's just not that good offensively yet. He could be. He definitely shows the potential, but he's he's not to the level of a of a Shea Gilgis Alexander type player where he can just single handedly take over the game on offense. So I need to see somebody else on Detroit actually push forward offensively, uh, which I think they're capable of doing, but I just haven't really seen it yet. And I think that guy is gonna have to be Jaden Ivey. It probably is, but it's it's tough to do that when you're playing in limited minutes and yeah. Killian Hayes is taking a lot of your minutes, who's frankly not a very good player. Yes, let's talk about that because that is a bit puzzling because you presumed once you drafted Ivy that the backcourt of the future was going to be Cade and um, Ivy mm-hmm. and that you would just kind of admit that maybe Killian Hayes wasn't a lottery pick after all. <sighs> yeah. But that's not been really the case. So what do you make of that so far? I mean, I, I don't understand it. The fact that Killian Hayes played more minutes than Jaden Ivey in this game and Jaden Ivey was a decent amount better. I mean, Killian Hayes was 0 of 6 shooting, and, and you need offense on this team. You you can't... Yes. I mean, you have plenty of defense, and Jaden is not a bad defender at all. And the fact that Killian Hayes is getting all this run over him doesn't make any sense. I would much rather have Killian Hayes come off the bench and be a playmaker, because he's pretty good in that role, and have Jaden Ivey be your second scoring punch with that starting unit. That, that, to me, makes a lot more sense. I imagine we'll probably see that at some point this year, whether it's due to injury or they just get sick of Killian Hayes, which seems to happen at some point You would have thought year. they would have already been sick uh, yeah, of I, Killian Yeah, I'm Hayes, amazed that but... they're still playing him this many minutes because he's really not been good ever. No, that is correct. Kind of yeah. baffling. That is correct. He was, <laughs> I think he was one of those. He was a seventh overall pick. Yeah. You keep waiting. And it's like, how long can you keep waiting for him to develop, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a smaller guard that can't shoot. and he certainly cannot shoot. Yeah. That has been made and abundantly clear. If, if you're a smaller guard, you got to be able to shoot. Like that's, that's how you expand your game. If you're relying on just trying to get to the rim, it's, it's not going to work because it's too easy for defenses to read. And Killian Hayes is a guy that can hit a shot every once in a while. I'm not saying he's totally... Inept at He's shooting a career high thirty nine percent this year. Yeah, is that from the field? That's from the field. What's he shooting from three this year? He's actually at thirty six percent from three. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's he possible. is a career twenty eight percent three points. How many attempts a game though? That's that's what he has cut down a bit. He's at three point five attempts, down yeah. from three point eight last year when yeah, he shot twenty eight percent. So if you make one every other game, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I don't know. It's. I don't. I don't understand why they're not playing Ivy. I really don't. Because, you know, if you're if you want to bring him off the bench, fine. But you got to play him. Got to play him. More. You got to play him. He's got to be playing starters minutes, even if it's Without off the doubt. bench. Without right? a doubt. And you would think that he and Cade would be closing that game. Yeah. Yeah. You would think. So we'll see. They've still got a lot of time to figure things out. But I am officially highlighting them as a team to, team watch, to watch out for because even in this game without Duran, you can see like there's just a lot of talent there. Yeah. And they're a lot better with Duran too. Yes, and, and he's yeah. I think that's a that's a key piece to be missing there. Yeah, right. And then they've just got these reclamate. You know, they've just kind of stockpiled these big men that have been Bus and mm-hmm. Bagley and Wiseman, and yeah. you know they've got them to kind of fill in, but they don't need them. And that's right. the beauty of it is they've got their guy in Duran, and then those guys are kind of like, yeah, if you're good enough to be the backup, cool. If not, we don't really need you. Right. So, which has been the case with James Wiseman. Uh, okay, now let's talk about this weekend against Memphis. Sam, this was the opening game of the inaugural and illustrious NBA in-season tournament, which we will talk about in a little bit here because I've got some thoughts on that. Have your eyes recovered? 
Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, I will say the first game that I saw was the one on ESPN. It was the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, and they had that neon green stripe down the middle yeah. of the floor, and that was my that was my welcome, welcome. to the NBA yeah. in season tournament. And I watched the Blazers game with uh, a lot of red, yeah. <laughs> a lot of red. And it devolved from there. Do you hear real quick, not to get off topic too much, do you hear what Anthony Simon said about it? No. They interviewed him during the game, and they were like, what do you think of the new court? And he was like, yeah, it's a... it's a lot of red. I did see that. I did see that. Like one of those of video red. game yeah. courts. <laughs> lot, like, yeah, he couldn't yeah. even. He couldn't Hard even. Hard to find the ball out there. Couldn't <laughs> fake it. Now, they, and then, <laughs> okay, now you got. Now you've sidetracked us <laughs> because they interviewed Jeremy Grant after the game, and they because uh, they're hell bent on hyping this thing up. Oh yeah, and you can tell because the announcers were clearly given the edict. Um, this is a big deal, and mm-hmm. so help me God, you will help the people understand that this is a big freaking deal. Yep. So they asked Jeremy about the the importance of getting a a, a big win, and he was just kind of like, "Yeah, well, I guess we got a few of these." So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing. I I know Bones High when they talked to him, and he was like, "I don't really know what this is about." And that that's just perfectly encapsulated. But I've Love got it. some thoughts on Love that it. for later. But we'll focus okay. on the okay. game right now. We'll get back on track here. This was a real gritty game. Another gritty game, yeah. Sam, because you're playing without Scoot Henderson again. Obviously, still without Anthony Simons. So you know you're you're down bodies, down significant bodies on this team. You know you're starting backcourt. You're without them going into the year uh, and really testing your bench. And you got to give a lot of credit to Skylar Mays who has taken. Um, opportunity uh to take an advantage i should say of an added opportunity for him um opening up some minutes but um this one you're down seven under two to go you know a desperate desperate memphis grizzlies team who has started the year oh and five they'd be oh for six after this one you scratch back now gotta say the last two minutes report revealed that uh the grizzlies probably should have gotten the ball with about 13 seconds to go up two um, there was an out of bounds call that they called it out of off of Marcus Smart. The two minute report released um, the day after, so that would have been Saturday. Revealed that he did not actually touch it, and so the Grizzlies should have had the ball up to with about ten seconds remaining. So they likely would have iced it. But either way, Blazers took advantage. Shaden Sharp got to the line, had a couple free throws, and then he had one hell of a block at the buzzer on a potential game winner. I believe it was Kennard who took the shot, um, who has yeah. been awful to start this year, although he did step up in the second game between these two teams finally. It's the hell of a block by Shaden Sharp coming out of nowhere um, to send the game to overtime, and then he was big time in overtime, and he played big time minutes, 46 big minutes for Shaden Sharp in this game, 22 points, did not lead the way, uh, Scoring-wise, but in spirit, he led the way, no question about it. Uh, 7 of 17 from the field, 5 rebounds to go with those 22 points. Took over down the stretch. Jeremy Grant uh, stepped up as well. Hit the big, he hit the dagger three-pointer mm-hmm. um, in this game, Sam. He had 26 points in this game. Malcolm Brogdon gives you a, flirted with a triple-double of 24, 7, 10 assists, and 3 steals. And Tumani Kamara stepped up, and this was the first game uh, that I can remember that he really got big minutes and he started the second half over a Matisse Thibel. He played 31 minutes in this game, two big steals, really showcased his defensive prowess. Didn't really showcase the offensive prowess in this game, just two of eight from the field, but clearly a very disruptive, lengthy defender. And the Blazers eke out a, a 
eke out a, a tough, hard-fought win over a Grizzlies team that is still should be a playoff team, you would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would you would think. <laughs> you definitely would. I, it's amazing that their record is as bad as it is. I mean, One this is six. a team that on paper looks like they could be solid. I mean, outside of Desmond Bain, you don't have a lot of consistent scoring, which is kind of kind of hurting yeah. you. Uh, Although I mean, Jackson had two really good games yeah, he, this yeah, series. Yeah, he has. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just – Really tough, gritty comeback performance by the Blazers. I I thought so when I was watching this game, they had I don't know if this happened where you were watching it, but they had technical difficulties and the broadcast. It didn't when I was watching. Yeah, the yeah. broadcast cut out, and I said, "Well, you know, we're down cut out for pretty like big. five minutes." Yeah, it was it was <laughs> near the end of the game, and I said, "You know, we're not going to win this." And then I I shut it off because I thought the game was just not going to come back. Once it gets to the five minute mark, you're like, "Yeah, I don't think they're getting this." Yeah, fixed, and right? then. I look at my phone and I say, oh my gosh, it's an overtime. And, you know, the the way that they got there, uh, Shaden Sharp, just unbelievable block, just so good. Uh, Showing the two-way ability, gets yeah, the block exactly. to get it to overtime and then takes over in overtime yep. to win it for you. Yep, and when's the last time you saw that on the Blazers court? Just a, a guy who competes Boy. that hard. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. I don't know. It's, I can't answer that, to be honest. It's been a long time. And, yeah... Uh, even if that two-minute report gives the, the Grizzlies something extra, it's nice for the Blazers to get one of those going their way every once in a while because yeah. it doesn't happen for us that often. So I will happily take that bad call and take that win. You still got to take it. Yeah. Right? All that did do. was give you the ball down two. You yeah. still got to take advantage, yep. and you can't you can't be blamed for a ref's bad call. Though I will say quickly as we're – rapidly running out of time here sam um because we still got to get to our three questions which is actually four this week because i was feeling froggy but (laughs) uh the grizzlies got had two successful challenges they they changed it this year used to have one if you win your first you get a second one yeah why is it that you should be punished for referees repeatedly making mistakes if you as long as you keep winning your challenges i feel like you should keep getting one right i totally agree all you're doing is proving the ref's incompetence so why should you only get two i they would have challenged that and they probably would have won the game i think they should make it like a technical foul rule where if the ref gets a call wrong the ref gets a technical foul if they get two wrong the ref gets thrown out of the game okay and then you got to get a replacement and if you what okay what if something. you if you get it wrong the other team gets a technical free throw you get a technical Ooh, foul. see this this is interesting now and you get it wrong twice you're done you forfeit <laughs> how about that Ooh, i like it i like it. the stakes have never you want to speed up the games tanking teams be like opening jump challenge <laughs> first possession challenge this one's in the books let's go i like it wouldn't that be fantastic the Blazers just like two plays in. He's like, yeah, you know what? This is gonna be an easy one tonight, boys. <laughs> We're tanking. Okay, let's briefly talk about this last game yeah. against Memphis. It looked pretty good for most of it. Sam looked like the Grizzlies were headed to 0 and seven, and then. The Blazers absolutely fall flat on their face in the fourth quarter. No other way to put it. Outscored 26-2 to over the last eight minutes when they led by 12 points. They had exactly one field goal in the final eight minutes. Or, excuse me, zero field goals in the final eight minutes. Two points came on a pair of Malcolm Brogdon field goals with two minutes to go. So you go eight minutes without a field goal. You go five final five minutes of the game without a point. And really, you should have lost by a whole lot more than 12, it seems mm-hmm. like. But that was the final score, 112 to 100. The Grizzlies get their first one of the year, 
to improve to one and seven. And this was, you know, again, Jaron Jackson, another really strong game, stepping off up, up offensively, and then yep. Desmond Bain, who just had an incredible two games. But yeah. the, the key for Memphis, they need more, yeah. right? And they're banged up, obviously. Um, Steven Adams out for the year. Brandon Clark out most of the year. John Morant suspended for the first quarter of the year. Luke Kennard has sucked um, outside of this game. He finally stepped up. So there's a, a lot of pressure on those two guys. Yeah. Right, and they they stepped up in both these games, and they finally get rewarded with a victory here. Yeah, and you know, Jaron Jackson, to his credit, is has looked really good on offense in in the very recent times. Um, he's he's much more aggressive than he typically is. But this was is really just you know Desmond Bain's team right now, and the Blazers just couldn't really stop him. I mean, if Desmond Bain was missing shots, it wasn't because the Blazers slowed him down; it was because he just missed the shot. I mean, he was getting open looks constantly. And, you know, when the whole offense is designed to just basically get Desmond Bain open, I mean, he took almost 30 shots in this game. I mean, well, there's not a whole lot else you can go yeah, for. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what you have to go yeah. for. And I feel like for Memphis, they're, they're going to kind of live and die by if anybody else can step up. Mm-hmm. And I think really this, if Luke Kennard has the same kind of game he had in the first game we played them, they're not winning this game. No. Uh, yeah, or if the Blazers don't fall apart, they're yes, still that's not true. Winning. They that's should true. still be zero and seven. They should, yeah, because the Blazers blew a twelve point lead with eight to go, right? Yeah. So you're looking at like you can't do it with just two guys, Bain yeah. and Jackson. You need more, right? I mean, the next, the only other two guys averaging double figures are Marcus Smart at fourteen a game and Zaire Williams at ten a game. If you're counting on one of those two guys offensively to be one of your guys, yeah, that's not good. That's why you're one and six right mm-hmm. there. And that's, uh, I mean, John Moran's coming back, but that's a bigger issue, right? It's like, you still need more. This right. team is not the same. Yeah. Because it's not like you're that different. You're banged up, obviously, with that, but Adams isn't a 20-point-a-game guy. Clark's not a 20. Like, you know, they're they're important players for this team, but it's not like outside of Morant, your big scorers are out. Right. But this team just looks terrible offensively outside of two players. Yeah. And it's tough to win that way. You know, the other thing about them it has been – they haven't looked nearly as good defensively as I expected them to. And you got to be good at one, yeah. right? Yeah, and especially with the personnel they have, they should be a lot better. Exactly, exactly. So maybe that's the even greater concern. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up on the other side, we'll have our three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. This is Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero-emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son Raph, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. Ryan Buchanan, Sam Arnold, Jim Fisher filling in for the one and only Stephen Glickman, who should be back 
Next week, it's now time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. They've been located in Southeast Portland since 2004. They make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. More information, as always, is available at NewDealDistillery.com. And I hate to do this without Stephen here because this was really his brainchild. But I'm going to have Jim, for our first question, switch to uh, to the tinfoil hat music. Ooh. Uh, because I've got a... It, it's it's less of a question, more of a theory for number one. Here. Okay. Pause for a dramatic effect. There it is. Okay, I got a theory okay. uh, for number one, Sam. The question I wrote down and gave to you and asked you not to answer it, which puzzled you yeah. for obvious reasons, yeah. was wh- who was your early favorite to win the NBA Cup? Okay. That was so that I could remember to give my theory because I don't oh. care who wins the NBA Cup, and you shouldn't either. No. And I know that you don't, and <laughs> nobody should care. But the question is, well, the question I was asking myself, so why are we doing this, right? Why why are we having this NBA in season tournament? And after all the negative backlash over the courts and all that, I have come up with a theory. And I think this is purely... I think somebody within the league finally realized that this is a stupid idea and nobody cares. Mm -hmm. So they said, let's just make it as bad as we can to get people talking. Because what's the hardest thing for the NBA to do? Get attention in November. Yeah. Right? When you've got football going, you're right after the World Series. Nobody cares about the NBA really until Christmas. Yeah. So how do you get the people talking? You throw these stupid courts with these bright colors and crazy uniforms. And, and I, I think they purposely made this tournament as vague and confusing as possible to get people asking. I think this was all, all a plot. I think this was all by design, and they don't really care about this at all. It's more about it's a way to get people talking about the NBA. Not in a good way, but uh, in a way. And really, a lot of times, any publicity is good publicity, and that's what they're getting here. Wow. What do you think of that? I'm buying in very, very hard on that theory. I think that's a fan. It's like a, it's like a bad movie, you know? Exactly. But it's like a, if you're just a bad movie, it's no good. But yeah. if you're a horrifically bad if movie. you're the room. The room. Yeah, people that's are what I'm thinking. That you, then you <laughs> transfer back to good. Yeah. Or entertaining at least, yeah. right? If you're going to be bad, at least, at least be entertainingly bad. Man. And that's what this tournament has given us. You know, I think you're onto something there because I'm thinking back to that first night. I literally tuned into multiple games because I said, I want to see how bad these courts how look. How do they look? How bad do they look? Oh, right? I think you're onto something. And they all something. look terrible, right? Yeah. There we go. Ryan's got you figured out, NBA. (laughs) God, I'm on to you. Okay, now we'll go back to the real questions. Um, Because I did provide, I did still prepare three real questions for you, Sam. Um, Okay, question number one, really. How would you rate James Harden's Clippers debut? Yeah, I actually thought he he looked pretty solid. I I thought he, he was fitting into the team pretty well uh he was definitely playing as more of a facilitator than a score he wasn't forcing anything on offense he was trying to read what the clippers offense was doing and take what was given to him so his his points that he did score looked very natural he shot really well his assists looked good uh he seemed to fit in with the team he wasn't demanding the ball too much so i rate james harden's clippers debut as a b plus b plus yeah okay not exactly the height of james harden that we can see but Really solid debut. 
Okay, seven point, 17 points, three rebounds, six assists. How do you think of the way that he played alongside Russ? Yeah, I it looked way better in the first quarter than it did the rest of the game. Um, Russ kind of got off to an uncharacteristically hot start. <laughs> um, and uh, it just, you know, wasn't really able to maintain that too much. So I, I think it'll be fine. Um, to me, the bigger issues here... Uh, the Clippers should not have lost this game. This this comes down to bad shooting at the end of the night. Is I don't think this has anything to do with the chemistry that we're going to see develop with these guys. Uh, Paul George couldn't hit anything Two to save 11. his life. Yep. Uh, Kawhi didn't even look. Kawhi was taking like transition threes in this game. It was just mm. like what they lost their identity for a little bit. Um, but I think they'll be fine. I I think there's too much talent. Uh, I think you gotta take some minutes away from Westbrook and just kind of let this be a, a three-headed monster of Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Okay. My uh, second question kind of piggybacks on this because I think I know where you're going. Okay. Um, but I'm asking you to bet your life on the you, you. one of these teams has to make the top six. If neither team makes it, you're safe. Yeah. If, if your team makes it, you're safe. If your team doesn't make it, and the other team makes it, then you will be executed. Okay. Uh, in Pioneer Courthouse Square in front of your friends and family. So okay. there's a lot on the line A lot here. on the line. A lot okay. on the line here. Who would you bet your life to finish in the top six in the Western Conference? The aforementioned LA Clippers yeah. or the one in six Memphis Grizzlies, who've yeah. been the second seed in the West the last two years now yeah. and have virtually the same team, although some injuries and suspensions. Yeah, it's it's the Clippers for me. I knew you were going to um, say that. Yeah, I need mean, this. You're this, a gambler. Yeah, and you know this this team does look good when they're firing on all cylinders. They they really do, and, and when they're healthy. Well, and here's the thing. Here's what makes me feel more confident. Their first back to back. Guess who both played both back to back games? Kawhi and Paul, Kawhi George, and Paul George both played a back. Well, they're trying to show the league that they're reformed they're and they're ref- taking their re- new real seriously, right? Yeah, they've they've turned a corner. Turned no a- more injuries this year. Okay, no injuries the okay. entire year. I'm willing it into an existence oh boy, right yeah, now okay. because I have <laughs> three Clippers on my fantasy yeah, team. So that's, that's the <laughs> they need to stay healthy so for you me. Need it. Okay. I need it. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a lot riding on the Clippers. <laughs> Far too much than any Far man too much. should have riding on the Clippers <laughs> yeah. this year. Without okay. a doubt. That's what I figured you were going to say. Give me the Grizzlies still. I think okay. they're going to figure it out, and I think the Clippers will find a way to screw it up as they always do. Sure. So fair. That's what I'm going with here. Okay, and how about another question? Yeah, bonus. We haven't had any. We haven't had a real dramatic incident yet this year, and it feels like we should have this far in to the NBA season. Yeah. So I got to ask you, who has the first major incident? The Rockets, the Mavs, who have been surprisingly quiet yeah. and really good, really and good. you know that's coming down. Or the field, somebody else. Who has the first major incident this year? Because the, technically the first mm. major incident was there was a couple in training. James Harden requesting a trade, but that yeah. was before the season started. Or Kevin Porter getting himself thrown out of the league, mm-hmm. but that was also before the season. So uh, from here on out, now that the regular season has officially started, who has our first incident? That's tough, man. Um, I'm going to go the field on this just because the field has teams like the Charlotte Hornets mm-hmm. with – who knows what's going to happen with Miles Bridges? Uh, the Phoenix Suns. That seems like there could be a disaster going on in there. You know, if one of those guys doesn't come back, what if Kevin Durant requests a trade? I mean, this these are things that could very well happen. Well, no one requests a trade better than James Harden and Kevin Durant. That's true. That's right? true. Those and, are the guys. You know, it's, Kevin Durant's been on a team a couple years now, so it's about time for it's him. It's about back that out. time when he 
ass out, right? It's uh, he looks around saying, "Wow, this super team sucks again." Yeah, I want out. Yeah, That's- so I'm I'm taking the field with the Rockets as a close second. I think the Mavs might have figured it out this year because Kyrie is like mm. Kyrie is almost like a an afterthought on this team it seems like right now and i feel like that's going to catch up you think so he's going to say wait a minute i'm kyrie irving damn it you'll remember my name (laughs) so i gotta go mavs i gotta find (laughs) there is no way that kyrie irving can go an entire season without an instant he's 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 done pretty well it's been like two weeks well i mean counting last year yeah you know yeah yeah, but i since he's been on the Mavs, i cannot trust him if i had to bet my life if there is a the Mavs go the rest of the season without a major Kyrie incident or with a Kyrie Irving incident, I'm taking the Kyrie Irving incident has, every time. He has I have been zero very quietly. And the Rocket way too quiet, and that's eerie. <laughs> Eerily quiet, and you know they're just sitting around waiting to say, don't say anything, yeah. right? Just yeah. let it happen. Everything's going good right now because they know that he is a ticking time bomb, and he could go off at any moment, and I'm waiting yep. for it. Rocket's also highly combustible. Uh, they've been actually halfway decent. Yeah, um, overperforming for sure. Beat up twice on the Sacramento Kings. Without De'Aaron Fox, Without De'Aaron Fox, big but they beat them good. They beat them good. In back-to-back games, that's who the Blazers will play on Wednesday night, by the way. Beat them by 25 and by 18. So yeah. I mean, those are rather significant injuries. and They're without Amen Thompson, so they're going with a, with a more veteran group. Um uh, uh, Jalen Green and then Alfred Sangoon. Sangoon has been terrific. Yeah, uh, he had 12 assists the other night, uh, last night actually against the the Kings. But you know you've got Van Fleet, you've got Dylan Brooks who's been surprisingly good and surprisingly mm-hmm. efficient. You know that's going to go away, mm-hmm. and you figure he's going to have some kind of incident, right? Yeah, he's got to because remember he was basically told to walk the plank in in Memphis and was told literally. That we, uh, in fact, the, everybody was told that under no circumstance would Dylan Brooks be coming back to Memphis. Mm-hmm. You got to figure something's going to happen there. But for the time being, they look decent. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they do. But yeah. it's also a very weird team because it's like, what are you doing? Because you're rebuilding, but then you're you're riding veterans like Fred Van Fleet um, and, and Dylan Brooks, and it's just I, I'm not really sure of their end game here. Yeah, it's it's a strange roster. I I think coming into the year, I thought this was the weirdest roster buildup in the entire. NBA. Yeah, because they spent they spent big money spent in free agency big. on Van Fleet and Brooks and yeah. there was somebody. Uh, they brought in um, Jeff Green. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very bizarre team, but they're they're figuring it out somehow, and I I think it'll fall apart at some point. I think it has to, but yeah, Fred Van Vliet, I think especially has really kind of gelled this team together. I think he's helped Jalen Green a lot, too. He's helped him a lot. Because that's a guy who needs, I think, some direction out there. Yep. And he was kind of thrown out there with Kevin Porter Jr. the last couple of years. and Talk about lack of direction. Right, yeah. yeah. So to go from Kevin Porter to Fred Van Vliet is a significant upgrade in terms of stability. And you have two guys now with Van Vliet and Shangun who are both very, very capable playmakers on this team. Mm-hmm. And you have one that can do it from the three-point line and the wing, and then you have another guy who can make plays from the post. And yeah, this it could work. I mean, they, could they could, they're going to win some sneaky prob- games. They beat the Kings probably twice. Won't, but it could probably work. probably won't. But is this could this be a play-in team? This could be. A I think so. Team. And I, I think did it could. not think I again when I did my Western Conference standings. I penciled the Nuggets one, the Rockets fifteen, and filled in everybody else. <laughs> Literally, that's what I yeah, did. Yeah. So the fact that they're three and three and they beat up on the I don't care who's missing on the Kings. The fact that they beat them that good twice in a yep. row, hats off to them. Right now they're eight. Playoff yep. started today. They are a play or if the yeah play in started today, they'd be in. 
Yeah. They'd be taking on the Clippers in that. Well, now, good luck there. But they would be taking on the Clippers in that first matchup, and it would be Spurs versus Lakers. Yeah. Wemby looks pretty good. Wemby looks really good. <laughs> so yeah, Spurs are Spurs are three and four, and Wemby is again. I it's hard to imagine a scenario in which he does not win Rookie of the Year, especially the the hype and then the fact that he's backing it up. I I think he would basically have to have a season-ending injury like, like now. right now. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. needs to miss like four fifths, eighty percent of the season. Because you know? again, even if he died, it would go to him in memoriam. Yeah, right, right. right. So he it has to yeah he has to like tear his ACL tomorrow. Yeah, man, he looks good though. Um, he does look really good, and he's good for the league because yeah, very much it's people watching. And good for the Spurs, and he's playing every night, which is good because we're not used to yep. to star players playing every night. So fans are forgetting. I think they were told in no uncertain terms, "You will play him every night because people are buying tickets specifically think, yeah. to see him, and we're putting you on national TV specifically so people can say mm-hmm. play uh, see Wemby." So uh, don't screw that up. Okay, Sam, we got the uh, Kings. Tomorrow night, Kings have obviously struggled a lot. My guess would be De'Aaron Fox will not be back for this game. We don't know about Scoot Henderson for this game, so very much up in the air. Um, how you feeling about uh, tomorrow night's game? Man, if, if De'Aaron Fox does not play, he's listed as questionable. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm leaning on more of the side he's probably not going to play. Um, again, we'll find out closer to, to tip on that. But, mm-hmm. um, man, if De'Aaron Fox isn't playing, I, you got to feel pretty good about playing the Kings right now. Because they look real bad without him. Yeah, they, they have nothing yeah. without him. I mean, no consistency. DeMontis Sabonis does not look good. Yeah, I mean, they've got Davian Mitchell starting, and he has not been able to get yeah. the job done so in, in the place of uh, I feel I feel Aaron great Fox. about playing the Kings right now. Yeah, this uh, is the time to play them. No yeah, question so about it. Take advantage of that. Um, and you got the Lakers on. Then you get three full days off, and you got the Lakers on Sunday. Yeah, don't feel good about that. The no. Lakers have been underperforming as expected. Um, but Anthony Davis... Looks really, no, really, really night. good. He says he's expecting to play on Wednesday, though, already. So I think okay. by this game, he'll be fine. But he, there's a lot of time for him to get he's hurt he's again. A lot, a lot of time to re-injure. <laughs> We're a lot talking of time about Sunday here, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, but he's been great. Yeah, no question. Anthony really Davis has been MVP caliber yeah. start of the year. Yeah. Uh, and he, he had stayed healthy, and he finally got hurt last night. But apparently, as you say, he's coming back. That's what he's saying. We'll okay. see. We'll see. And now um, what I'm really looking forward to, Sam, is just continuing to unleash to Monty Kamara. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He's playing really Kamara well. Run. I think I really like the prospect of starting him alongside Jeremy Grant because it goes back to what we talked about. He's the more physical player, got more length, better rebounder. goes back to he's more the power forward. Grant's more the small forward. Yep. Takes some rebounding pressure off of Grant, which we know he's not good at. I really like that pairing. Well, and frankly, Tybalt's been pretty bad. I mean, he's been really yeah. disappointing. Um, a lot of that is he's playing very limited minutes, mm-hmm. mostly because he's been disappointing. Yeah. But yeah, man, I would I would love to see that starting lineup. That's a lot of length out there too. We you haven't have seen it yet, but he's been starting the second half. Yep, and, and out playing. I think it's a matter of time. A lot. Yeah, matter I think it could happen tomorrow night. Ooh, let's hope. We'll see. I, I would love to see that. We will be back at it better than ever next week to talk about that here on Blazers Eggs Radio. But stay tuned. Flying Saucer Safari is coming up next right here on X-Ray FM.